about envy, probably all of us have had some time in our life that we've experienced it. Some of you may be struggling with it now. And the point of my message today is not to make you feel guilty about it, but to offer you a way out. Asaph was one of the Old Testament Levites who was a worship leader. And Asaph wrote the 73rd Psalm. And Asaph had dealt with this very sin in his own life, and he saw how it was destructive to him. It was destructive to his ministry, and it was destructive to his relationship with God. And he wrote this psalm in response to that, providing everything that he had learned as God had dealt with him and he had came out of that sin. The envy is a terrible thing, and probably all of us have experienced it. A few years ago, I was flying, and uh, I believe it was a trip to Boston. And on that particular flight, the, the, the pilot, or co-pilot, I don't know, at least I hope there was two of them, because he came out of the cockpit to, to go to the restroom. And so when he did, uh, the male flight attendant came up forward and kind of stood there and guarded the, guarded the cockpit. And this guy, as he stood there, and even through his uniform, you could see these big bulging chest muscles. He had huge biceps and defined shoulders and everything. And so this older gentleman in the, in the front there said, well, boy, they picked the right guy to guard that cockpit. He said, I can tell that you really work out. And that guy looked at him and he said, he said no, 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 sir. He said, oh, come on now. He said, I can, I can look at you. I know you've really been hitting the gym hard. He says, no, sir, it's, I don't go work out. He said, it's just all genetics. Well, I wanted to spit on him. <laughs> I mean, the, the only thing that my genetics has ever done for me is make sure if there's a famine, I'm going to be the last one to go, you know. I mean, does it seem right that somebody could not go to the gym and look like that? And and maybe you ladies, you, you've had similar situations. You know, there's that one person you work with, that one person you went to school with or whatever. You know, you know the type. Eats like a pig, looks like a Barbie. And it just, you just wonder, where is the, where is the fairness in that? Well, that's where envy begins. It begins often with comparison to other people. And Asaph had been in this place. Asaph had devoted his life to service to the Lord. He was a Levite. His whole life was built up in serving in the temple and, and leading worship. And he looked out and he saw these other people who were living ungodly lives, and yet they seemed to be absolutely thriving. And Asaph said, have I served the Lord in vain? Why, why do they seem to have everything, never be held responsible for anything, always do what's wrong, and yet always receive good things? And Asaph struggled with this as he began to envy. His particular sin that he dealt with in Psalm 73 is the sin of looking at unrighteous people and being envious of their success and their lack of being held accountable for what they do. So we, we see many examples of this today in our culture. Just a few years ago, there was a young man named Ethan Crouch. He's, he's 20 today, but, but four years ago at age 16, uh, he made headlines as he drove his car into four people and, and killed him. He was, of course, intoxicated. But when he finally came to trial in 2013, even though prosecutors sought 20 years in prison, he received no jail time. His lawyer argued that, that the young man Couch was a victim of affluenza. He made that term up, affluenza. That is, his parents were so affluent, he had never been held accountable for anything, and so he couldn't understand why he would be accountable for killing these people through his actions. The shocking thing is that the judge agreed and gave him probation. Probation. 
It's amazing, isn't it? It still happens today, the same thing. We look in the world and we see people who seem to be doing everything wrong and yet are never held accountable. We see people that uh, seem to be doing everything wrong and, and never suffer the consequences. And we can look at a million different situations where we begin to compare ourselves with other people. And if we're not careful, it produces envy in us as we are jealous and either desire to want to have what they have or to be like they are or to see them experience what we believe that they deserve. My uh, minister of music in Atlanta told me one day, he said that he had a, he had a, a short list of things uh, pinned up in his cubicle at work, things that he wanted to teach his kids before they left the house. And he said he'd really dwelt on this and thought about it. And he said he decided that, that there were some key things that he wanted to make sure when they left that they knew. And number one on his list was he said, life is not fair. He believed that was key to teaching his kids to understand that life was not fair. Don't compare yourselves to other people and their privilege or their opportunity. Because one of the things it can do is it can produce envy inside of you. Psalm 73 is where we're going to be at. I want to ask you, would you join me in standing as we read this together? Psalm 73, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs unto death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues stretch through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to him and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until... I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my portion, or the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we may learn from Asaph as he struggled with envy and came out of it. I pray too today that we would examine our souls. 
And Father, if there's any envy within us, I pray today that you give us a perspective that would enable us to see things differently. May we come out of this before it drives us away from you, destroys our ministry, and embitters our own life. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, envy in particular, there's a lot of sins that are self-destructive, but envy will eat you alive. Notice what Asa said. He was struggling with this, and he said, My feet, in verse 2, had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Asa recognized that the time that he spent his life sitting around being envious of other people had brought him to the brink of destruction. And of course, he, he names three different things that we're going to look at today in this passage. He talks about his own personal life. He talks about his ministry to others. And then he talks about his relationship to God. And the same is true for all of us. If we live our life in envy, it affects every single one of these areas. And so today, I've entitled this message, Envy is a Cancer to the Soul. Because I can't think of a better metaphor than describe envy than cancer. Because cancer gets in somewhere, and then it begins to eat away and then it gets in the lymph nodes and it spreads to different places in the body and it begins to affect the whole body and that's the way that envy is envy starts out in the form of jealousy and then it just grows and it becomes to consuming in our thoughts till it can destroy our relationships with other people one day i, I walked into my to my secretary's office in atlanta and uh, i had a lady that was that was filling in for me and she was this uh, absolutely brilliant lady which is a problem uh, I don't really like working with people smarter than me, but it happens quite often. And she was she had been the CFO of Lipton and just decided she was going to retire and not work anymore. And so then she took this part-time job at the church. And so she was sitting in there. And anyway, I came in there, and I, I said something about one of the other preachers. And I remember it's just a stinging, truthful statement. She says, bitter, party of one. <laughs> you know, it's hard to hide it, isn't it? We may think we're hiding it, but it's... It's hard to hide it. And, you know, the reason that I got so frustrated with her is she was always right. And, and she was exactly right. Bitter party of one. That's what envy does. It, 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 it infects every area of your life till it, it comes out in your speech. It affects your thoughts. You begin to see people differently. And it will render you ineffective within your ministry because no one wants to be ministered to in any kind of way, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, friend, family member. No one wants to listen to somebody that's living in envy and it's bitter and jealous of other people it deeply affects every area of our life jeremiah 12 verse 1 listen to what jeremiah said he said righteous are you O lord when i complain to you yet i would plead my case before you why does the way of the wicked prosper why do all who are treacherous thrive not only and Asa struggled with this, but Jeremiah struggled with this. And we can think of other examples where people struggled with envy of the wicked. And so I suspect there's a good chance for some of us today are asking about people that we know that seem to do everything wrong and yet never suffer the consequences. Have you ever wondered, Lord, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing and yet it seems I have worse health, less money, and less time than my wicked friends. Maybe you felt like that way at some point. That's exactly what Asaph was struggling with. But you see, the problem with envy is it's often based on a false perception of others. That is, we think we know something about someone else, but yet we really don't. Now, in the case of, case of Asaph's 
people that he was envying. Asa was only looking at the immediate circumstances. He was not looking at their future. And in the case of so many times of other people, what we think we see is not the reality of who they are. I grew up an only child and uh, out on the farm, kind of isolated from people. I had one neighbor and uh, just, just didn't interact with a whole lot of different people. And so when I got into ministry, I saw just a whole different side of, of, of people, especially doing counseling. It's amazing what you learn from, from counseling. And I was, somebody came to me the other day and, and said, you know, I hope that you can, can keep this confidence. And I said, brother, you know, you'd be shocked at how much I don't know about people around the area. I, I forget all this stuff, but I, it's a, it is amazing what I don't know about people. And I can tell you for a fact that many people that you may look at and you think, wow, they have a perfect marriage. They don't. They don't. You may look at other people and say, man, that guy has no problems. That's not true about anybody. It's not true. You may look at somebody else and say, man, everything they touch turns to gold. And be careful. I know a lot of people that it looks like everything they touch turns to gold and they're in debt up to their eyeballs. There's a lot of things that we think we know about people. We have really, in reality, have a false perception. We're envious of something that doesn't even exist. Because we think that somebody has it better in every way than we do. Psalm 73, verses 4 through 12, Asa talks about his view. He says, for they have no pangs unto death. So I don't know. Do you know anybody that's never had any kind of trouble at any point in their life, never had a pain? That's just not true. But that's what Asa thought. He says, they have no pangs unto death. <laughs> I can't le- read the next part of the verse with a straight face. It says, their bodies are fat and sleek. I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but he was jealous of them because they were fat. That was a different time. That was a different time, wasn't it? You know, and the third century B.C. Where, where food was scarce and everybody worked physical labor and you had to walk everywhere you go, only wealthy people could be fat. And so here is Asaph. He's looking at these guys, and, you know, and I don't know what Asaph looked like, but, but chances are he's, he's probably thin and trim and he's got to walk everywhere he goes. And he's looking at these other guys that are all fat, and he's like, man, why can't I be fat like that? And that's, that's, that's what it says. Their bodies are fat and sleek. He's envious of them. And so it just reminds me I was born in the wrong era, you know. <laughs> if somebody says anything to you about your weight, just tell them that you're just a vintage hottie, you know. You'd, you'd have been really attractive 3,000 years ago. Uh, that's just the reality. Perceptions change, don't they? And so he's envious of them because they're fat. And he says they are not in trouble as others are. They are stricken, not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. And therefore, his, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? So these are people that are so successful, have no problems. They become so arrogant that they believe that even God does not recognize their hypocrisy. Well, none of these things are a reality for anybody. There are people that live lives of privilege. And we saw that scandal recently where uh, several different people, I think it was 50 different people were involved in this federal case of uh, 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 bribery. And um, uh, I can't remember the charges. But anyway, they're giving money to different officials at schools to get their kids in. You know what I'm talking about if you read the news. 
We we see that today. I mean, we 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 all understand that that that, that things happen. Those things happen. Uh, people people get out of get out of trouble because of who they know or what they have or what their parents can afford to give. This is the reality in the world in which we live in. But there is no person that in all their life never has any problems whatsoever. And envy is often based on a false perception about other people. You see, if you knew the truth about many people, you would find that they have problems that you don't even realize or understand. Many of them are deeply hurting. We see this every day in the news as we look at the stories about different wealthy and successful people who are famous and yet struggle with depression and drugs. Many of them commit suicide because they have problems and struggles that nobody knows about. And you may be tempted to look at somebody else and say, that person has no problems. Everything they touch turns to gold. Why can't I be like that? Friend, that is a false perception. There is no person that is like that. So if you're going to be envious of somebody, be sure that you're envious of something that's actually real. But God wants to give us a different perspective because, you see, envy will destroy your ministry. Notice what Asaph says in verse 13. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, notice what he says, I would have betrayed the children of your generation. Asaph was a Levite. I mean, he was born into that family. The Levites were the tribe of people that were given the role of, of, of ministering in the, in the tabernacle and later in the temple. And Asaph was a worship leader. And Asaph recognized if he had come to this point in his life where he almost got to, if he had come to this point where he had said, I just served the Lord in vain, I lived a clean life in vain, he said, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. You see, one of the problems with envy is it's very self-centered and self-focused. It's very selfish. It usually focuses on just centering on ourselves, what we have and what we don't have, and comparing ourselves with other people. And we often think only about ourselves. And we forget that God has called us to a ministry, every single one of us. I'm not talking about vocational ministry, about being the pastor or being a missionary. I'm, not talking, I'm just talking about our ministry to other people, that God has called us to serve and to impact others. And the Bible teaches us that every one of us is called to pass the faith onto another generation. We're to be a light to our generation and to pass it on to another generation. And so in this passage, Asaph says, if I had come to this point of envy, he said, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Asaph recognizes that envy almost destroyed his own personal testimony, his witness, and his, his ministry. See, the, the thing about sin is you can't sin without affecting other people. Even if you think of a sin that involves no interaction with someone else, like envy. Envy. Envy eats us alive. It changes the way that we see things. It affects our thoughts. It leaks out in our conversations. And it affects our relationships with other people. As much as we try to contain it, we cannot. And it will destroy our ability to serve others, influence others, and pass the faith on to another generation. And so that's why Asaph said, if I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Probably all of us are here, 
because of the influence of someone in our lives. It may have been the influence of a parent that raised you in church. It might be the influence of a, of a, a church leader that maybe came and picked you up on a bus. It might be the influence of a Sunday school teacher that had a tremendous impact on your life. All of us could probably trace back our heritage and think about the people that influenced us. I think about the, the little country church where I was saved. My grandfather was a deacon there. My mom and dad still go there to this day. And the people that were in that church when I was a child, they're, they're still there to this day. Tremendous influence on me. Every time I go back and I see the same people sitting in the same seats, by the way. It's a Baptist church. So. Every time I see the same people, it's a testimony of faithfulness and persistence. Later would, uh, in high school, went on to First Baptist Pigeon Forge and was a member there. And so many people poured into me to... I am who I am today because of those different people. Everything from deacons to youth leaders to our pastor to our youth pastor, all these different people, their collective influence brought me to where I am in the faith today. And probably you also have a testimony of the different people that influenced you, led you into the faith, helped you grow in the faith, and brought you to where you are. Well, friend, we must do more than just receive the benefit of all those people. There has to come a time in our life when we become to others what those people were to us. There has to come a time in our life when, when, we don't, when we don't betray our generation, but instead we serve them by being a light. And you can't draw people deeper into the faith by living a life of envy and bitterness. This is why this sin is so destructive, not only to us, but to our own personal ministry. Well, Asaph was envious in part because he had a false perception. And one of the things it requires to have a proper perspective is to look beyond the immediate moment. Look at verses 16 through 20. The Bible says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Asaph's basically saying, I was just overwhelmed trying to figure this out. But notice what he says. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned therein. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them to fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes, O Lord. When you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. Asaph said that he was struggling with envy because he just looked at the moment. But he said, when I went in the sanctuary of God and began to discern about their end, he said, I realized that one day we'll all give an account to God. One day there'll be a judgment and no one will escape from anything. When we begin to understand this, number one, it should give us a fear of the Lord. That is a holy reverence, desire to live for him. And two, it should put into proper perspective all of our concerns about people getting away with everything. Our legal system today may be unjust many times, but God's system is absolutely perfectly just. Every sin is accounted for. Every sin is recorded. And it will either be paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf as he died in our place, or it will be paid by us if we choose to reject what he did for us. But there is perfect justice in God. Not just love, mercy, and compassion. He is all those things, but he is also holy, righteous, 
and just. So that you and I, we don't have to look at people in the world that are corrupt and arrogant and immoral and seem to get away with everything and have everything and be envious of them. Friend, their day is coming. But when we move beyond envy, hopefully it'll move us to a place to imitate the heart of God so that our desire is not to see them receive what they have coming, but see them come to repentance and experience the grace and the mercy of God as we have. Proper perspective requires us to look beyond the moment of the situation. You know, if you always live in the moment, and that's your, that's your basis for understanding God, it's going to be a roller coaster ride for you. Circumstances are always changing. Things get better and things get worse. We have emotions that come and that go. We experience a whole range of emotions. And many people, their faith is based upon what they're feeling and what they're experiencing in a moment. Friend, we, we need to get a larger perspective than this. We need to look at a, at a longer time period and think about where some of these things are going. I look back at, at so many people that I went to high school with, and, and unfortunately, the choices that they made then became a pattern in their life that they never changed. And, and many of the people that I went to high school with have already died. They've died because of their lifestyle of drugs, their lifestyles of violence. They drive before their time. And when we begin to understand that everything that we do affects our future and that life is short, we, we don't need to be envied of wealthy people that get away with everything. We, we don't need to be envious of them because, friends, it may be hard for you to understand. I don't know how, how your perspective is, but, but the longer that I live and the more funerals that I preach and the more sick people that I go to visit, I realize that life is short. It's moving fast. And before you know it, we're going to leave this planet and everything we have, we're going to leave behind. And we don't need to be envious of things that are just temporary and that aren't going to matter in eternity. And so when you look out and you see wealthy people that get away with everything, friend, we don't need to be envious of them. We need to have compassion for them. We need to have compassion. They're, they're in a terrible place. They're in a place that's self-destructive. They're in a place that has no future. Our, our attitude toward them should not be envy. Our attitude toward them should be pity. Our desire should be for them to repent and receive the same mercy that we have received. Psalm 49. Listen to this psalm when it says, it says, Be not afraid. When a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. This passage stresses to us that wealth, prosperity, fame, success, they are all temporary. So instead of being envious of people who have these things, we should seek things that truly matter and that truly last. You see, instead of placing our hope in material things and earthly wealth, fame, success, fortune, we need to place our hope in God, not in circumstances nor things. Verse 21, Asaph got to there. And listen to what he says. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. 
Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. Asa recognized, he says, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Asa came to the point in his life that he looked back on his attitude and what he had said and what he had thought, and he was ashamed of how he had behaved before God. But yet he, in repentance, came and drew, drew near to God. You know, when you're in the middle of a pity party, it's really hard to see things from an outside perspective. And Asaph had had a time in his life when he, he looked at all these people and he said, look at all these fat people. I wish I could be like them. He said, look at all these rich people. They get away with everything. I wish I could be like that. And then he said, I, said, I got to the point that I thought, have I served God in vain? You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't do all these other things that other people were doing. Have I kept my hands clean in vain? But then he came to the point of repentance and he said, he said I was like a beast toward you, God. I was brutish and ignorant. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. That's the beauty of God, that in our weakest moments, his strength shines the most. Even when we have these times in our life and we think ridiculous things and we're envious and jealous and it consumes us and it consumes our thought, we become bitter, God still loves us. He just wants us to come back home and leave that thinking behind. He said in verse 24, you guide me with your counsel. And afterward you receive me to glory. Whom am I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge. That I may tell of all your works. Proverbs 23, 17 through 18 gives us this advice about envy. It says, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Let's pray together. Father, I pray today that you help us to be honest with ourselves. Lord, for those of us that may, may right now be struggling with envy and jealousy, God, I pray that you give us a different perspective. Lord, help us not to seek material things that, that rust and deteriorate and are stolen and are devalued and fade away. But God, help us to seek the one thing that lasts for all eternity, our relationship with you. Which in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, today we've been talking an awful lot about material things. That's what Asaph was jealous of. He looked at these people that had so much and had accomplished so much. And, and he, was, he was jealous and he was envious. You know, there's no promise in the Bible of material wealth. Nowhere does the Bible promise that you can do something and God will bless you in return with material wealth. There's principles for building wealth, and wealth is not a bad thing when it's gained through righteous means. But there's no promise of it. But there is the promise of eternal life. There's the promise of forgiveness. There's the promise of righteousness. That is that you and I, no matter what we've done, because of what Christ did on the cross, we can be forgiven, 
and we can stand before God perfectly pure and clean. Not because we're clean in and of ourselves, but because we can be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And friend, if you've never received that yet, I want you to understand that right now, if you were to pray to God and just admit to him that you've sinned, confess that before him as sin and ask for his forgiveness, God would forgive you. God would forgive you in the sense that you could have a life as though you had never sinned. God simply asks us to confess our sin, to be willing to change from it. It's called repentance. To be willing to change and live for him. And if we're willing to do that, we can receive the gift that he's offering. So I want to encourage you today, if you've never prayed that prayer, right now as we sing, would you pray and talk to God? You can cry out to him right there in the pew. You can come forward and cry out to him at the altar. Or you can meet me at the front and I'll pray with you. For those of you here today that are believers, probably all of us have had times of envy in our life. I know I have. There's been times that I have a wrong perspective about other people that I knew. God convicted me about it. Maybe you're here today and that's the sin that you've been struggling with. Maybe you didn't even think about it as a sin before we read this passage today. But it is a sin. And it's a sin that will eat you alive. It'll deteriorate your ministry. It will steal your joy. And it will alienate you from God. And so today, if that's something you're struggling with, would you just confess that to God as sin? Ask Him. Ask Him to give you a a broader perspective that instead of judging yourself and your relationship with Him by what you see in the immediate circumstances, that you could look beyond. Friend, maybe you're here today and you're struggling with something else. Maybe there's a decision that you need to make or you'd like to join this church. Whatever you desire to do, let's do it right now as we sing. Let's stand together.